Sounds like. Hi everyone, thank you and welcome back to Over the Bridge podcast. Um, this week, it's me again, Bilal, um, just introducing the show. We're so excited about the topic of conversation we got for you ready this week. Um, but just to go around and introduce who we've got in the studio today. So it's myself, Bilal, and I'm joined by... Of Quirky once again. Tommy Dyer. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> and you got a, a new recruit for the day. Uh, my name's Khalil. Cool. Tell us about yourself, Khalil. Uh, what's this, my backstory? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so I'm a teacher. Not, not too moment. much information. Not too much information. Uh, born and raised in London. Currently living in Manchester. But I've been teaching for about six years. How, how do we know? Oh, one six one. Oh yeah, I forgot about that bit. I went to same uni as you lot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Cambridge grad as well. I did law at uni, but now I teach maths, and I'm also head of year eleven. Jeez. So bang bang. A, it's it's up, up I'm up and coming. I'm getting there. I know. <laughs> Ambitions of becoming a head teacher one day. So fine. Well, what's what's that like? Being what's, head of year. Being head of year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting. You see both sides of of the students' experience because when you're just a teacher, you just see them on a just in your classroom. They're just a student, a math student to you. But then when you become head of year, when you find out their backstories and they're actually more holi- on on like a more holistic basis, um, it's more even more rewarding when you know some of the stuff these kids are going through. Because mm-hmm. they've come a long way, a lot of them, mm-hmm. and they go home to really bad lives and come back to school, and we're there telling them to tuck their shirts in and and put a tie to put your tie up straight. I remember that. Straight. You know, that, and was, that was just stress. Mm-hmm. It is stress, but it's the little things that we have to. It's the uniform. Fun, fun enough, pun intended. It's the uniformity of it that mm-hmm. gives them some structure in their life. For mm-hmm. some of them, mm-hmm. obviously, that's not every kid, but some of them they have no structure at home, yeah. and their mm-hmm. structures in school. So as yeah, much yeah. as they complain. They enjoy the experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Khalil, for joining us today. No worries. As you guys have probably noticed, um, there's someone missing today. Um, we don't have P Money, P Dinero with us today. Um, unfortunately, he's um got a situation. So we'll hopefully get him back on for the next show. But um, for today, this should be an exciting topic of conversation, guys. Sure. How's your week been, though, before we get into it? <laughs> what's been, what's the <laughs> highlight of the week? My highlight, well, Manchester Carnival was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And I, reckless I, behavior. Reckless behavior. <laughs> My recollection of the day is hazy to say the least. Uh, honestly, the whole thing's a blur and I'm still feeling the effects now. So, uh, not to completely flip it into a negative, I heard that it, like 10 people got shot. Yeah, it was. No so at the carnival was like serious. So, it, yeah, this was, there's, I'll read, I'll read the article today. So, it was after the carnival, what they do, they go back to a park and then, then there's just street parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this, I think 2.30 a.m. or something, there were shootings. Mad. Um, and the article itself was it had a nice little twist on it because it said, oh, yeah, 10 people, 10, well, no, 10, 10 people were injured or mm-hmm. affected by it yeah, yeah, in yeah. the Moss Side area mm. um, at 2.30 a.m. just after a Caribbean carnival. Yeah, yeah of course, like, every time. Of course. Yeah. So I read that, and, read that inside because yeah. I was like, okay, thanks. Thanks for the shout out. Um, but the carnival itself, calmest, Calm. calmest thing. Yeah. yeah Five yeah. truck carnival for I mean, you. So, yeah, because I was going to talk to Tom because Tommy said he was there yeah, as well. I went, mm. I went yesterday as well. So, yeah. But it sounds so different to like Notting Hill. It is. You walk, we were walking from the, <laughs> from the front of the carnival to the back of the carnival in about back and forth, five like. minutes. It's just nah. a park and the sound what? system's kind of just like, yeah, around like sound system, a food truck, drink, another sound system. That's kind of how it was like all around the park. Mm. Wow. So, and then it was a supermote van right in the middle. So I picked up a couple of supermotes. <laughs> but to be fair, what Tom's talking about, he's that's like the after event. So they have mm. a parade first that goes around the local area okay, and it okay. ends up in the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the parade itself, yeah. Because I'm used to Notting Hill. 
So yeah. down here, you, you don't see trucks for ages. Mm. And then you see 17 at once, so you don't see any. This yeah. one, I could I saw the trucks, they were there. Five, all five of them. All five of them. <laughs> is it like worth me, is it worth me traveling up to Manchester for? If you got a drink, then yeah. Because you have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> you, have <a> good time. <laughs> you have a good time regardless. So yeah. Fair Definitely. enough. It all was right. worth it. It was, good. it was a good experience. Cool. Cool. I mean, Maui was pretty chill, to be honest. Just been interviewing for people at work, but that's, that's about it. That's like my highlight of the week. Mm, Maui was calm, just working. Uh, I was I was uh, line managing on intern and it was so live because she basically smacked out like 60% of my workload. <laughs> she was sick. I was, you I was just there like playing the games. Of an intern, Boy, like, I just have the meeting like, okay, cool. You've done all these different yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. But now she's gone like, in to work, just playing like stick cricket or something. Like, <laughs> or Pac-Man. What's it, Pac-Man? Pac-Man. Pac-Man. <laughs> like Google Pac-Man. But no, it's been a good week. No, just you. All right, cool. Well, um, this week, our topic of conversation, as we've kind of been talking about um, on the timeline, and something that we're actually really passionate about, and that's why we've got Khalil joining us today, is the education sector itself. Um, the idea that, why, why is it really that black people um, and black students at top universities in particular are underrepresented at uni? Um, is it the education system itself fault? Is it the university's fault? And we're, we're thinking about some of the things that happened earlier on this year that David Lammy and Toby mm. Young were sort of going back and forth on mm. Twitter in this little argument. Mm. Lammy wrote a few articles about, you know, perhaps maybe it is um, the universities that aren't doing enough to attract black students, but maybe there's something else going on. So I'd like to ask the question, um, why is it that there's a lack of representation of black students at top universities? I guess we're gonna have to kick this off. So I'm assuming we're talking we're talking Russell Group. Um mm-hmm. because yeah, those that's what that's what I consider to be top unions. Anyway, I'm gonna not just try and focus on the Oxbridge because that's still that's mm. its own that's its own situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think Russell Group is an accessible um unit of universities that as yeah, I think we are underrepresented, underrepresented. Um when I thought about this, I was I rewound time back to how I ended up where I was and thought, right. What was different? What's what was what got me there? And um, I think going to going to a grammar school. I think if I hadn't gone to a grammar school, I don't think I would have ended up in the same place in terms of university wise. Mm. Be- and I think when it comes when we look at black students, if we look at where are most black kids in let's say let's say London because that's most relevant to us. And most black kids are in mm. London if you look on the grass scheme of things. School wise, they're not going to the grammar schools and the private schools in general. They're going just your normal kind of standard comps the majority of them, where guidance into how to how to get into universities is lacking. Mm-hmm. There isn't, when I was at school, we had teachers that came from top universities. Yeah. So they, they provided course advice, subject choices. If you want to go for this course, then you've got to be doing these kind of subjects and the more intellectually rigorous subjects. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't apply to Russell Group Unis without rigorous subjects. If, mm-hmm. if, you have, if you do three or four A-levels and two of them are deemed... I don't know what the word is, but deemed to be less prestigious as a course. So no disrespect to none of them I've done it, but me decided, for example, isn't looked upon very highly by, by universities and Russell Group. So I think if you have the black kids in the comprehensive schools without the guidance, then go and if they even apply in the first place, mm-hmm. if they apply to the course and don't have the, don't have the subjects, mm-hmm. then, you're, then, then it's, it's, it uh-huh. tells its own story, doesn't it? And I think I was reading an article that said, also made a good point. They said, when the black kids do apply to these top unis, they're applying for the for the most competitive subjects most of the time as well. Yeah. 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 So you're already there's if you're gonna apply to the Russell groups and do the laws, the medicines, the this and that, it's already you've already got less of a chance of getting in anyway, just because of the volume of kids that are already applying. Mm. So if you combine that with 
guidance missing as well, then you start to realize maybe why we are underrepresented at uni. But mm -hmm. then I'm, I will come back to this in a second and I will stop talking for now. <laughs> but there's also, a, I think there's a systemic issue mentally. There's a mindset mm -hmm. where top uni isn't really the path, isn't really the path kids even think about as being an option. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just mm -hmm. not there. It's not their experience. It's not where, it's not that what they're surrounded by. A yeah. lot of them, especially if you come from those kind of areas, the more disadvantaged, deprived there is. Yeah. They can be bright, but they'll still think uni. Ah, no, that's not for me. Uni, the whole idea of university is not you, for me. Yeah, yeah, you've kind of hit me in a personal place, Khalil. Um, this is Bilal, by the way. Because um, as anyone, anyone who kind of knows me might know that I'd actually never wanted to go to university in the first place. I didn't see it as a space for me. Um, I kind of, my, my plan originally was to leave school at 16. And then I ended up staying for sixth form only because my parents had never gone to uni and I didn't see it as something I'm supposed to do. My dad had left school at 16 and gone on to be a cab driver and then went to be a bus driver. And so my original plan was to go off and like be a bus driver. That's what I thought I could, that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make money. I'm not that bothered about going uni. And you know, I've talked before about, I feel like I'm quite working class and I've come from like a working class background. And I didn't even, I didn't imagine myself at university, let alone at Cambridge. Yeah. Because I just didn't see it as a space that I should occupy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. I think like Khalil was alluding to is very much an issue or one of the main issues regarding that is a self-selection issue. And I think part of that is due to one, again, not having the correct guidance and um, the encouragement from your teachers to tell you like it is possible, especially even, I mean, even if you are academically gifted, mm. sometimes they still won't for whatever reason, push you to achieve your full potential. And I noticed that when I was I was tutoring at a um, secondary school in South London, it used to be quite, rep it had a infamous reputation, essentially, um, a lot of fights, a lot of people involved in like gang activity, that kind of thing. And then it went through a process of um, becoming an academy. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, some years down the line, it's become very, you know, it's been like a success story essentially locally. And I went to tutor some kids there and I was tutoring them in science subjects and it felt like a lot of them were, like I'll, I'll be for instance doing like a one-to-one -one with one kid and I'll be testing them with certain questions. So you'd be like getting the answers right. And I'm thinking, Ra, why are you in this after school program when you're ready, mm. you seem to be on a job. And then I asked him, what are your expected grades? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just expected to get a C. Mm. So like they give you these targets um, you know, if they think you're going to get a C, they kind of give you the, well, I guess the support that is relevant or needed to get a C, even if you may have the potential for a B or A, which they just haven't recognized from you. Um, and I think that's more prevalent with black students <clears throat> because of certain unconscious biases that mm. white teachers may have or teachers in general may have, where they feel like black kids are either one, more likely to be problematic behavior-wise. So they get, and I think there's like studies to back this where um, I think black Caribbean boys are three times more likely to be excluded, right? And this is at young ages as well. So mm -hmm. just, if you're just assuming that the same same kind of naughty stuff that, I don't know, a white, a white kid or any other kid on average gets up to, they're more likely than not to be um, disciplined for mm -hmm. it, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also the the bias that um, black kids aren't as academically gifted for whatever reason. I think that's an unconscious bias that exists as well. And when you have that lack of expectation, 
you're not going to have the self-confidence to think like I can go to a top university. Um, coupled with all the things that Kilo's talked about in terms of like socioeconomic issues and poverty and maybe some situations going on at home, which isn't conducive to you performing well. Um, so I think a lot of that is self-selection due to the due to external factors, essentially. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's one of the, the key issues. Cool. So you sort of mentioned, Khalil sort of mentioned like mindset, right? Mm. Like, um, and then you've kind of touched on sort of, and, and you talk about systemic issues as well, Khalil, and then you've sort of opened it up to, well, actually there's stuff going on at home and even, even teachers themselves having expectations of us. Yeah. From as young as primary school. Yeah, because it's, speaking as he from, from a teacher's perspective, it's that even in one school, mm. you can have a different level of expectation from staff. And we would all experience it, maybe not, to the same extent in our own schooling. But I know from my, from my, in my classroom, a kid knows that they're, they're expected to do a lot of work, be productive, have a joke and laugh at a time, cool, but then it's work. Yeah. Then that same kid has five lessons throughout the day mm. and gets a different experience. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes more rigorous, sometimes very, very, well, most of the time, less rigorous. And I think when you've got that inconsistency of expectation, then that's not that's not going to be helpful anyway. Mm. Even if you don't even believe in yourself, to have yeah, staff yeah. that aren't going to push, push, push. Yeah, um, you're going to you, go on. Do you think? Sorry, do you think that um that teachers in general don't push black slash mixed students to at, like as hard as they might push other people? It'll be difficult to say. I, right. if, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. no I get that. It'll be difficult to say. It's difficult mm. to say yeah. because every we, everyone's it's yeah. silly, but everyone's human. Yeah. So you. Whether you've got like like Quake was saying, whether you've got like an unconscious bias or not, I don't know. But I know for the first Glad tour in South London, where the majority of the kids were black, we're talking about 70% maybe, it was, it was, it was a very, very black school. That it was the dynamic there was interesting because you had academic success wasn't what the kids wanted to, that wasn't what mm. they came to school for. Yeah. They came to school to catch jokes. Yeah. And every lesson's a joke. Yeah. So every lesson you're there to just run banter and then if you tried hard, you're a neek or you're a nerd or you're this or you're that. <clears throat> and that's an issue that we have in the in the black culture as well. I think we've mm. not actually not in not like on international scale, but mm. definitely in I think in London, in there's, London a, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a culture of academic achievement is it's not the thing that we Okay, that, that's a great point. Like Tommy, like where do you think that that comes from though? That that culture, yeah, where um underachieving is celebrated. I don't know. Um, if that's if that is real. Well, I do. Uh, uh, I do think it, it's a real phenomenon like, all around London, um, uh, especially in in comp schools. Um, I don't know where it stems from entirely. Um, I haven't ever thought about it because I had a strong West African mother kind of cracking the whip saying. You know, quicker you can attest to this, Kanye. Woman saying, "Education, education, education." Every day, every day for how <laughs> many years in my life? Education, 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 education. Child, <laughs> son, just try the best you can every day. Son, try the best, yeah. try the best. She wasn't a pushy parent, but she was like, "Just try the best you can. Try the mm. best you can. Face yeah. your book. Try the best you can." So I kind of, um, I wouldn't say I faced a, a different experience. I'm pretty sure a lot of people can attest to this, but that's certainly what I I, I faced. Um, yeah, was I accused? Well, I say accused. Was I was I called a neek regularly? I was like, yeah, but then actually, I, I kind of got to the point and realized that actually, like, I kind of had to sit down one day and say to myself, what am I in school for? Yeah. I think it was about 15, 16. I was like, I'm in school primarily just to get the end product, which is a good set of grades and go on with it. Nothing else fundamentally will matter. 
Mm. Um, and I had that kind of thought and it was like, you know what? It doesn't really matter what anyone tells me because if, if we have a difference of opinion, and my opinion is I'm trying to do the best I can in school and their opinion is different, I'm not going to see them in the next 10 years. That was my opinion mm. yeah. um, at 16. And it kind of has turned out to be correct. I haven't really seen a lot of people from school and, you know, I don't, no disrespect, I don't particularly care either because people's paths go off in different ways. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that opinion comes from, but it definitely is is a bit of a problem um, that somebody who actually wants to make achievements um, and go out of his or her way to make those achievements are saying, oh, you're neat, you're a geek, you're this and this and this. Just let the boy or girls just study, yes. you know? Yes. Just let them study, man. Um, so I think, I, I, I do think that it's kind of one problem. It's like, you know, coming back to the overall point about why we don't get enough people applying. I think it is a two-sided thing. One, I think there is the kind of issues that we've heard people speak about. Oh, you know, the, the kind of unconscious biases that people have and not having expectations in their black and mixed race students. But I think on the other hand, there's also a lot of the students, maybe, because when you're young, you're you're subject to a lot of peer pressure, especially you know, <clears> when you're <throat> young, you're moldable, you're kind of, you are subject to a lot of those forces. And when, People aren't really doing on job in they're not on job in school. You're not really going to want to put your best foot forward in terms of academic attainment. Some people might do, but that requires external forces. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that requires structure. And I'm very grateful, as Kalua alluded to earlier, saying that a lot of the kids don't necessarily have structure in the home, mm. and that's another factor as well. Um, but you know, I had some structure in the sense that you will read your book, you will do your homework, you will do this and this and this, which gave me some structure and, and you know, thank God paid dividends. So I think that's, I think there are a number of factors that almost create like a perfect storm. Mm. And then we see that in the kind of admissions numbers when we look at it, it's, it's not, it's just as simple as these are the numbers that are low, the acceptance numbers are therefore even lower. It's the combination of several factors mm. that lead up to this point. Do you know so what I mean? before, so, before we even went into the education system, there was all this other shit going on for us in our own lives. Not, I mean, us as in like mm. the wider yeah, like yeah. black and mixed race community. That there, that before we even even entered school, there's enough yeah. of else to it's think about. Postcode lottery, right? I mean, somebody mm. once, I think it was, I don't know if, I don't know if there's an economist who looks at education called Gary Becker. I don't know if it was him that said this, but um, and he's, I mean, he'd spent his life just looking at the relationship between. Um, education and attainment and attainment being financial attainment and is there a link between natural ability and education and all this stuff it's pretty interesting Quaker you might remember as well like the the kind of Becker and Quaker's Spence like, theories and stuff I but Becker said that um I don't know if it's him but somebody in like his camp basically said look by the time someone is five um you can almost map out perfectly what mm. their educational mm. attainment is going to look like. Mm. And so if wild. they're five, stuff, you know, that means that it's a case of charity beginning at home or not beginning at home, which means, you know, that's why you get the combination of things. Because for some people, like I remember seeing my old head teacher, because before I went to um, sixth form, I was in a, just like a crappy comp. I mentioned it before, but the head teacher, after I left, um, was the head of science and she's a she's a Nigerian a Nigerian woman actually she's, she's lovely and she said to me look like people seem to fail to understand especially Ofsted she said this is like for a lot of kids who go to schools like the uh, like these she's talking about just a comp in a city comp um, school is more than school it's a lifesaver for some people it's a source of food 
for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a source of running away from mm-hmm. abuse. Um, it's a source of, do you know what I mean? It's a mm-hmm. source of many things. And it's kind of unfair to judge a school where the kids have fundamentally no problems. The home is running fine. It's very much like a nuclear family. Everything is okay. You know, their money good for however long, but you know, a lot of the time, you know, some parents don't even have food to put on the table. Do you know what I mean? And it sounds like a bleak picture, but that's kind of what it is for some students. You know what I mean, I have to thank God and say it wasn't, in my case, it wasn't my portion, but for, I know people even in my school, it was, you know, was their, unfortunately it was their portion. So school is a lot more mm-hmm. for them than just trying to do the best they can. And I think in, in certain communities that is, you know, in, in the black community in London, especially, unfortunately, that can be quite an issue. Mm. Um, the variety of, of things. Um, and I think that is kind of, all of those things culminate yeah. up to the point of where we see admissions and up yeah. to the point where we see, you know, people having debates with each other about this and this and this. I think you have to go a long way okay. back. So we can, we can talk about the fact that before you even enter the education system, mm. you're already at a disadvantage, right? Mm. Um, but this morning I was listening to an Akala interview that you did with some some guy and I don't remember what, like who the guy was, but he was talking about the fact that when he was in, I think primary school, yeah, they put him in a special educational mm, needs class. I, <clears throat> I was like, that's that's mad. The teachers just put him in one and never told his parents. Whoa. Yeah, because they didn't want to tell his parents because the minute you tell the parents, it's like parents going to come down yeah, to school. Cool. And the only way they ever found out that he was in this special class was he was going to Saturday school and he was going to like one of them like black Saturday schools. One of the Pan-African yeah? schools. One of the right? Pan-African yeah, 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 schools. Yeah. And someone came in randomly on a visit and saw him in this special class and yeah. went and told his mum. Yeah. So his mum came down to school and like, was like stormed down to school and argued and being like, what's my son doing in, yeah. that, in that class, right? Um, but my question on that point is, is it, is there not an educational problem then where in the education system itself is set up to, to fail or to not support black and mixed students to achieve to the highest? So for example, if we take a Carla as a person, mm. um, he's obviously quite smart and, you know, from the from this, when he when he's talked himself about being in primary school and people putting him in special classes, but he was going to Pan African school on the side because he felt like that's an edu. Well, I'm not sure if he felt that he was young, but his family felt like this is the right place for him to learn and learn about himself. Um, is the education system itself designed to fail or not support black and minority ethnic students? I think it's designed not to support a lot of people. Period. Um, Oh, no, I, I was literally going to say the same thing. I, I think it's, I mean, I, I mean, you're more the expert on this given that you're, you're, you're in the field, but it's like, I just, I feel, this takes me back to an interview that Carla actually mentioned. I can't remember who he was with, with, but he was saying, if you look at people that run corporations, governments, et cetera, et cetera, they were all, have gone to the same institutions. I mean, you know, we've gone there too, but you know, they've all gone to the same institutions, the same schools prior to that, da 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 And he said, you think about it, the, the system is such that you only need a select few um, in the population to be educated to, you, you know, quote, high level, unquote, or, you know, at pinnacles, you know, education, you know, like ivory towers, you know, you only need a few people, the rest can do whatever. Mm. Um, I think there are a number of, of things. I have a few theories. And Khalil, you can, you know, yeah. please pick off my brain. I I I am um, one of my problems with schooling has always been that you often get funded according to value add. A lot of schools get funded according to value add. Basically, what that means is schools are given like a target according to their circumstance. And that means that you're basically trying to get and and 
what you might have is some schools each year will draw a map out between attainment and expectation. And they'll draw a line, like a, a line of best fit and say, let's get everyone onto this line of best fit or slightly above it so that we've satisfied our expectations and we can actually go and mm. you know, receive funding. I don't know if this is true or not, but I, someone mentioned I'm not, that this. But as far as I'm aware, no funding is based on actual, atta- like it's not, you. if your school achieves well, you don't get more money in that sense. The only funding we kind of get in schools is for what we call, we call them pupil, pre- we, well, extra funding, we call pupil premium students. Yeah, yeah. So those are students who are like, we're also called like free school meal students. Those, that's the kind of funding you get um, from like the, as opposed to just your normal budget, you, mm-hmm. you can get some extra money if you've got mm-hmm. a lot of kids from a, from a disadvantaged background. But when you're talking about education system, and when, before when Tom started talking, what came to mind is the way, the way in which kids are assessed and the mm. way in which lessons are run and the way, because we know that every, when, we, when I was trained as a teacher, it talked to us all about these different learning styles and this, everyone learns different ways yeah. and some people are more hands-on. Then some school, people, you're not just sitting and down. And school, one exactly, way. Yeah, one way. One, and it's, it's when, you, when you think, when I think of education system being geared to disadvantage certain people, it definitely does. Because if mm. you've got, if you don't, if you, I've, I teach so many kids that literally cannot keep still. Yeah. Just like that, just the way they are. The, the, and then you tell them they've got to do a two hour, 15 minute English exam mm. in a hall at the end of this, at your, in your GCSEs. Mm. And so many kids for them, as weird as that, because when, when, I don't know, when we're in uni, how long are our exams? Like an hour maybe? I don't, they weren't, that, were they, they weren't two hours. No. And I some three hours. I asked you asked some, oh, you had some long ones. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe I'm just, my, that's my memory failing me, but it's, this, the assessment criteria yeah. of how well you have performed at school mm. is one size fits all 100%. when it's trying mm-hmm. to fit, when you've got mm-hmm. a whole population full of That's different so people. Mm. So you're, you're telling them to go, the only way we're going to be able to assess you is if you can sit in silence and write down mm. your opinions. And the other kid going, do you know what? Some like, people just like to discuss more than write. Yeah. At some point, yeah. It doesn't mean you're less, less bright or less able. You just learn or deliver points in a different way, but yeah. the system is rigid. Yeah. And all I can, I have to teach the system. I can teach and I can teach a different style, but I have to gear these kids up to be able to sit in an exam for an hour and a half, two hours, two hours, 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think if you come from a, especially if you come from a background where you're not used to that rig, that the rigorous nature of it, mm-hmm. then you're going to struggle in school. Mm-hmm. And But some people might be listening, right? And they might go, yeah, but doesn't mean that white kids from, from working class backgrounds don't also have a similar structure, right? Um, we, we, there's an obvious north-south divide as well mm. at top universities other than Durham, which is in yeah. the north. But like we do see this divide where white working class students also yeah. have like a lower, lower rate. Same, yeah. No, they are. The, the most, I think, white, yeah, white working class boys, mm. yeah, I think yeah. the, I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know if I'm pretty sure they're one of them, they are one of they the, are the most, if not the most underperforming. They now are. It's a race thing and it's a class, it's a class issue. Class At the end of the day, it's mm. a class issue. If you've got, if you've got the a large proportion of the London black population mm. in an area that is very working class, you're going to see class issues. You've got the same white kids, Asian yeah, yeah. kids in that same area, mm. you're gonna have the same issues. It just yeah. so happens that for us being yeah. black people, we're just a lot more conscious of it as yeah. being a black experience. Like I remember mm. my, my first school was in Canyon Town, which is historically like a very white working class area. The Royal Docks are just down the road. So a lot of you know parents, uncles, grandparents, whatever, they were dock workers themselves. And actually what was interesting in the school, I spoke to like my head of year about this and he said the the attainment levels, he said um, at the time there was an assumption that it was a black students mm. um, that performed worse than the white students. He said no, and it's what Kilo said, it was the white working class boys that were the worst performers. The mm. best performing students 
Um, I think were the the Black Africans actually that yeah. they were the best performing students. Actually, no, I think they were second to, you know, like the um, the Indians, but whose parents came from Kenya. No, okay. the other way, Uganda, like you got Kenya, you got like the Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were yeah. like the best performing um, students at the time, and he said there was that kind of problem that people just assumed it was. We had a we had a long conversation about this. Kind of when I came back, kind of a few months later, saying this was the problem. And he was like, yeah, this is kind of what we're, ha we're having right now. There's no sense of attainment or achievement for them. What do they go on to do next and stuff? It was a very interesting conversation. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of the the but, thing. So. But was it, is it is it that school itself is like institutionally racist? With like, quote, quote, unquote. Like, why? Why is it that, that these students still like are performing not that well time and time again? Right, and there's a, and obviously there's can also talk about there's a disc, there's a disparity between Black African students and Black Caribbean students, mm. and it mm. always has been in their in their school grades. And then mm. again, we see the exact same sort of that sort of play out mm. in um, acceptance rates and admissions rate to top universities too. Mm. Like, is it is it is it schools fault? It's hard to blame completely on schools. Mm. Um, I think it goes wider than beyond schools. Um, I think there are a number of social issues at play that, as I said to, to earlier on, it's, it's like when the knee-jerk response about this whole thing about our oh, kids not applying to Cambridge and stuff, oh, it's Cambridge's fault, it's Oxford's fault. And it's like, I understand the argument, but there needs to be an element of nuance that you need to understand um, the kind of issues that each race, each class um, has. Because they're, they're kind of, over time, I guess there are key issues that, or not that, um, you know, classes and races have. Mm. And so I think that even ties down. So, I, you know, I, I get annoyed by the very quick, as I say, knee-jerk reaction. So I think it's, it's bigger than just... Because um, ultimately, like what Kilo said, you're just teaching someone to the test. Some schools are not good at teaching to the test because mm. they're having to deal with other things yeah. than teaching to the test. For, mm. for, some, for some people... Like chairs been thrown. Even getting, yeah, even Words. even even Just even getting kids to deal with their attitude or that's mad, or getting kids um, out of risk, yeah, is a success way beyond, yeah. um, you know, getting them a set of like top grades. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. That is a big like in terms of life achievements. That is a bigger achievement. Actually, putting the kids into some form of more structure mm. is a much bigger achievement to them. To, mm. the, to the school and to hopefully for the, the student him or herself then just all right, getting a bunch of A's and their stars do you know what I mean I think that kind of um, the problem is we're, we're all assuming that everyone is on a, on a level playing field there was a yeah. guy years ago because uh, my mum's a teacher actually there was an Ofsted um, inspector chief inspector called Chris Woodhead um, who he inspected one of my mum or the, one of the schools that my mum was working in and a lot of people didn't like Chris Woodhead we're talking sort of late nineties, I think, um, long time ago. If he's your dad, I'm sorry. A lot. No, he's not. He's not my dad. <laughs> and he's hopefully if you're the, the kid. A lot of people had a problem with Chris Woodhead because Chris Woodhead was under the assumption, basically, it's was, it was almost like he lived under a rock. People assume he assumed that um, all all schools were designed equally. All mm. students came from the same background and therefore all schools should be judged on the same basis, i.e. Just, just academic ridiculous. attainment. <laughs> and everyone was like, this no, is rubbish. No, if he's your dad. <laughs> this is Fun rubbish. Um, so there was an understanding of how to do things 
um, or there was a lack of understanding of how to do things and that kind of assessment of, and this is why the admission stats even that I see and, and we've we've all had a look at them today and we might talk about them later on. Mm. They're very annoying because it's like you are, you are, it's hard to convey what these numbers represent. Like, so someone has applied at the age of, I don't know, let's call it 16, 17, and you see these numbers, it's the combination of years of several things. Mm. We can't just simply say, oh, is this, this is why there aren't enough black and mixed race students applying, or this is why there are loads of, there are so many factors. And in fact, when we looked at the admission, we, we had a look at the admission stats and I, I kind of looked at it today and I was like, there are so many ways you can chop and change this data, but the data that's initially provided to you without having to go up to Cambridge Ox and say, freedom of information, give me this data in this way. They present it in a way that is, okay, let's look at how it's done by um, by type of school. So comp, grammar, private, da 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 um, by ethnicity, by age, because you get some people who apply 17, 18, you know, some people are mature students, by region, da 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 You need to, to actually understand this, you need to just look at the, a lot of intersections, which they won't provide to you. And they know why mm. they won't provide it to you, because one, is a pain in the ass to actually give Fine. it to you. Mm. And it will probably tell a lot more of a damaged yeah. story. Yeah. Mm then if we were just to see it by, you know, one section type of schooling, one section age you apply, you know, next section ethnicity. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of nuance and intersectionality in this um, this topic of like, yeah, admission numbers and stuff mm. like that. But uh, you know what, yeah. on that point, let me, um, let me talk about David Lamy because let's, let's move the conversation on to there. So for those of you that are international, we've got bare international people nowadays. You know? <laughs> no, I was surprised. I've been look, I've been following these guys on Twitter for a while. Uh, because, yeah. And I've, no, I'm, and I'm Whoever you are in like Zambia and Grenada and Mozambique and wherever hey. else you are, bruv, shout out, man. Mm. Just say hello. It'd be nice to talk to you lot. But we've got international people listening. So David Lamy, he's the MP for Tottenham. Tottenham, yeah. Tottenham. Yeah. Um, he's a Labour MP, Black Labour male MP. And he's been quite prominent on Twitter lately. His fingers are getting quite tired because he's been talking a lot about... <laughs> this guy went went viral, I guess. I thought it went viral about the whole Windrush thing that happened when yeah. Theresa May tried to send all our grandparents home. Yeah. And um, basically, he, he's been talking a lot this year and has actually put out a freedom of information request, I think, to get the data. Yeah. And he, he said something, I think he, I've got the quote here. He said, it says here, Mr. Lamy said very little has changed with only minor progress witnessed at Cambridge and Oxford. He says, instead of spinning and massaging the figures, the unis need to face up to their own institutional failings and ask tough questions about its admissions process. Mm, yeah. Now, I can only talk about Cambridge because that's the only uni I've been to, mm. right? But I can assume that there's probably something similar happening at other Russell Group and mm -hmm. top universities mm -hmm. as well. Um, do you think that universities themselves have have something to do with this? Mm -hmm. I think... Um, hey, Quakes is talking, you know. Quakes. <laughs> <laughs> He's awake. But no, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to like come at it from a, just from the Cambridge perspective for one second, just because... The selection process or the application process for obviously Cambridge and Oxford is quite different to most unis, even Russell Group unis, in the sense that mm. there's an interview, there's some usually some type of test or whatever you have to do. Oh, I think um, if you take for as a given that people that are applying to Cambridge, regardless of race or what have you, are of equal level, level mm. um, academically, say mm. they all have the grade requirements, there's still an added feature that is required to get you that 
into actually get a place at that university. So there's been a lot of focus, I think, with these debates about, uh, like, especially people that are um, refuting Lamy's points and saying, well, maybe it's just because these black kids aren't making the grades. Are you saying mm. that we should reduce the grade requirements, et cetera? And he's like, no, that's not the case. Um, I think, but with Cambridge specifically, I think is that even though you may have the grade requirements to get into an interview, how you perform my interview, I think is also affected by your background. Mm. So for instance, if you've been to yeah. a private school, okay. more likely than not, you're going to have yeah. that polish. You're going to have, you're going to know how Someone's to conduct yourself. You. Exactly. Like, trades. I, had, they, we, I, got, I was coached. What? Well, what coach, 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 is strong, coach is strong word. But put it this way, like for my, my personal statement, yeah. Draft, redraft, 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 redraft. My, my, my form, we went my, to the same school, bro. I never got any of this. My form tutor was Because you were like, swear down. And I was like, oh, I went to the same school, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, but I had a, my family, my, my form tutor at school was, he went to Cambridge himself. And mm. that's, that's not often the case mm. in, in yeah, other schools. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you got the application, when the application process, mm. when he's been through it and knows what's going on, he just says, right, yes. you've got, you need to tweak this, tweak this. Plug you, yeah. it, and as, as Quake was just saying, it's like, it's a long, it's a long process getting to Cambridge. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. you've got to take, a, like you said, you've got to take a test. You've got to do, you've got to do interviews. Most kids don't, wouldn't have had a professional interview. Mm. We have to, in schools, we're now more and more trying to just get kids so, interview experience. So are you both saying then that, the uni, it's not their fault, but they're looking for something in like in particular that we yeah, don't have. Yeah, yeah. So the way the way that the, the the system works is that it's only gonna be a subset of society that are gonna have the skill set or the confidence yep. to perform well yep. at that stage. Um, a, a, someone from a working class background, for instance, they're not gonna have done. Maybe they wouldn't have played. And obviously, this is a generalization, mm -hmm. so don't take me at it. But like, they may not have an interest in rugby. Or rowing. Or My question is, why does that matter? Yeah, like why? Because, why, because do, why do you have to skills. play? Soft it's soft, one thing is soft skills, but then also there is the factor of um, relatability. So if you're being interviewed mm. by someone that's going to be your director of studies, they want to know that okay, this is someone that I enjoy teaching. This is and more likely than not, that's going to come about from the conversation. Like okay, if the similarities between our interests and you know, like for instance, like the whole like sports wise or whether it's just your general interests outside of the academic stuff, you're yeah. more likely to want to accept them. Whereas if you have no common ground. Yeah. Even though I have sorry to come in, I have heard yeah. that some I remember going to an open day fingers for Churchill and they said we do not care about anyone's when they do it, we don't really care about extracurricular. We don't mm. care. Mm. All we care about is their academic ability and ability to be taught, as you've meant as you rightly mentioned. Um yeah, that was what I was going to say. Please, carry on. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm not going to go into a long... No, not, not this time. I got I the numbers, waiting, you know, but... I was waiting, you know. I was sitting in the back of my chair. Like, top no, I got the numbers, but not yet. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that a bit But later. no, in that, in that yeah. sense, like, <clears throat> whether or not... That's that's us now asking the question as to whether or not Cambridge and Oxford should change their application procedure to allow for people that may not perform mm. best in those type of situations. I don't know whether that's something that they should be doing, but at least from... The perspective of um, trying to help and equal the playing field, mm. that's when you need to think about maybe, for instance, Cambridge and Oxford funding organisations that do work on those things. So like yeah. you have Target Oxford, for instance, yeah, doing who are doing really good job, work. Man. They're doing really good work, but mm. with extra funding, of course, 
their impact be can be a lot yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. So even though Cambridge and Oxford might not have the time, resource, or the expertise, or whatever the case is, to um, improve their ch- chances of like black or mixed race or working class students, mm. yeah. outsource the people that can. I don't know mm. if Target Oxbridge is funded by Oxford and Cambridge, but I know that both unis basically gave the programs like a cosign and saying we support this program. So I don't mm. know if support I, I, yeah, I don't know, comes I with funding, but you know. You know, they've got like implicit support from both out. universities. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the admissions process itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking for specific things that on on a level like black and mixed race people are less likely to have. Um, do we then see that what plays out at university is that the black students that do get into Russell Group and top unis tend to come from grammar and private schools or mm. tend to be more middle class or tend to be the ones that can fit the mold of or play up to and be involved in a similar sort of lifestyle mm. that some mm. of the white students there already have. I mean, at, if we look even in, in this room, at point of exit from school at 18, which types of school were we at? Mm. Yeah. yeah, grammar. Grammar. Even me, I started at comp, then I went to grammar and mm. got yeah. off. Grammar. Grammar. And I'd, jump, I'd yeah. say that that transition from crappy comp to very good grammar, <laughs> it was. It was true. I no, mean, no, no. I believe you. <laughs> I, just find it, I actually know. I can visualize the kind of school it was as well. It's like twenty three percent five eight no including math and English at the time. Love and I think if you it. if if you just have five across the board, it was like thirty or forty. Yeah. So yeah. Well, wow. that much. So. That's, that, that's what I think it's improved over time but that's how it was at the time when I was there the transition from one to the other was in, it was incredible the kids actually at the grammar um, one they were taught a lot more to the test as in this is the kind of question you get in the exam prepare mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. the the students um, they clearly had less issues going on at family so all they came to do to school was to learn they understood they were there to learn um, they had to wear this is why I'm an advocate of uniform. They had to wear uh, suits and stuff like that. And not necessarily an advocate of wearing suits, but I'm an advocate of, of uniform. But anyway, that's a different discussion for a different day. But, um, and they were focused and actually wanted to learn, more importantly. Mm. I'm going to say, yeah. Link, link <laughs> I was really like, intrigued. Like, what, what uniform, bruv? Like, sorry. No, suits. I, I, I sick form your no. suits. I sick form your suits. Okay. Yeah, 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 we had a suit form as well. Yeah, no, just, you're saying what? It's better to have a yeah, uniform as opposed to what? Coming in your own Coming wherever, innit? Some six forms, you don't have. You just go in whatever you Yeah, once you're six form, you just rock up, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. But linking to what you were saying, Tom, with the whole. Because even before what you were saying, we're talking about how. Don't give me smoke, man. What's good, man? Bro, Mike Commandando, like. <laughs> uh, so when you're saying about the culture of like within the black community not being able to well it being seen as uncool like mm, if you yeah. do well in gram schools of course like that's not the case at all in fact it's probably the opposite where yeah. if you're doing shit like man will laugh yeah. at you kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. I mean? no you're yeah, welcome no, you're yeah. welcome you're welkom to be a neek actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. it's kind of a bit weird like, people are just like, okay, everyone, okay, okay, that's because there's, there's just an acceptance that we're all smart yeah. so we might as well yeah, stop yeah. trying to act like we're not because we already know we're bright so yeah but there's, I think when from our school, when we went to be like, there was still like, there was still a joke was, and a laugh by yeah. Nick, Nick, Nick. But at the end of the day, man came out with 11 or 12 A stars. Exactly. Oh, no yeah. one's going to be No like, one's ah, laughing. Guy in no, no one's laughing yeah. then, are they? No one's like, laughing. No one's you come laughing out, then. And the thing is, everyone, when they get their grades, everyone, everyone cares about I don't about think no one's laughing at any school about that, though. I don't think people... What about, about attainment? Yeah, I don't think when, at the end of the day, right? If you go to, no matter what school you're in, and a kid does well. Mm. Nah, I you're gonna be like envy, blood. I got looks fair. of envy, man. I'm not, mm. When I when yeah, I people did will well, look at you being like that yeah, man's yeah. He's, 16, he's, out, he's out of the block. Like yeah. he's, he's secure. When I did he's 16 gone. and I did well, 
Mm. I got people looking at me like raw, and I was like, "But you see me working every day, yeah. so I just had the <laughs> why are them watching me?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that's what came in my head. <laughs> Is it your jealousy? <laughs> I don't wanna. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But the mad thing is, so the mad thing is, right? I'm reading this Guardian article right now, and it says this Guardian article says excluding bursaries. Oxbridge are spending around 10 million a year on outreach. It's clear that whatever they're doing isn't working. So when we're saying- Where are they reaching? That's my question. That's what I'm saying. Where are they reaching? I know that- Where should they be reaching? If if they want to alter, if they want to make an actual proper change to their um, admissions data, then they need to go to the place where they get least. I think it's hard, man, because end of the day, if you don't get the grades, you don't get in. Mm. And the schools are the top grades- are the grammars and the privates. So you can you can be Cambridge and Oxford and the top unis be like, yeah, I want to outreach to, to the comp schools when unfortunately, at the end of the day, you get the percentage of kids that are going to leave that sixth form with mm-hmm. four A's mm-hmm. is very, very low. So you're, you're, the pool that you're actually mm. reaching out to <clears throat> is a very, very, very small pool. So they're yeah. going to put money into where they know they're going to get kids um, mm. actually getting the grade. So mm-hmm. it is harsh and it is. But the thing is, I was going to say this a while ago, um, a kid, if you if you have two kids and they both got the same grades, but one came from a private school and one got them from a comp, that person from the comp, black, white, Asian, whatever, they've more, more chances are, mm. they've had to graft, yeah. overcome yeah. barriers to their learning yeah. that the one from the more, from the, from the kind yeah. of, the private school would never have to, yeah. would never have, never have yeah. to come across. So it's, it's stuff like that when you talk about the admissions criteria. You say you want four A's or four A stars or whatever, but my man who went to the worst school came out with three Bs and an A. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He was smashed it relative to the kind of school, the the actual standard of teaching, Mm -hmm. background, just family life. That kid will be like a better bet to go into uni to be a workhorse to actually grasp and value it. That's why we need a more like sophisticated way in which to assess applicants. So there's like, there's people, even David Lammy, I think he said himself like, you need to use contextualized data. Mm. So like, mm. like you were saying, for instance, if you got AAB or ABB, whatever the case is, at a low performing school or school in yeah. special measures, that should be equivalent to an yeah, A star exactly. AA or whatever yeah, yeah. the case mm. is. And I think there's more and more companies that are, st- or even I know within the um, corporate world, they're st- well, at least they're talking about using contextualized data to assess yeah, candidates like blind, now. Like, like blind CV tests. So just yeah, or sometimes they don't even look at school. A-levels anymore. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, now they're actually trying to Put, put in context to say, like you were saying, Khalil, like yeah. you are probably a lot more talented, have a lot more work ethic if you make, you've got these grades um, with all these adversities and things you have to overcome. Mm-hmm. And universities aren't picking up on that because they're using such a restricted yeah. means of assessing. Someone you. I know at, at Cambridge, <laughs> um, he's left now. He actually was a part of the interview process. Um, and he said that the information that is given to him about the student is very, like it's, there's a lot of information that is given to him. So um, the school he's from, how many kids have applied historically to Oxford and Cambridge and got into Oxford and Cambridge? How many people in the borough have applied to Oxford and Cambridge and got in? Is the school, what kind of um, socioeconomic quintile, mm. this kind of way people look at stuff like what socioeconomic quintile is the student in? The postcode, what socioeconomic... Um, so there's a lot of background okay. information mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. soft data to help contribute. And he said what was interesting was that 
a lot of directors of studies, particularly those who don't understand nuances of the educational system in the UK, give they don't really care about any of that information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas admissions tutors who typically have, they understand the system well, do care. So you often see a bit of a fight between the admissions tutors and the directors of studies. Um, and I read year, years ago, there was an article by The Guardian about um, the admission process. I think it's still on The, the Guardian. It was done in like 2011, talking about you know the thought process of actually admitting a student into Cambridge, because it was just for Cambridge. And you could see there was this discussion between... Um, there's people sit down and have a discussion about a number of students and they use all the data points and collect it together to make an assessment. Um, so if anyone that kind of wants to understand that process, I think you just Google Cambridge admission process, mm. Guardian, and you'll find it. Um, I think with, to Kilo's point about like reaching out to um, comps and stuff like that, I have two thoughts about that. Number one, I think for any school to transform, it takes like probably what a cycle or two of like the five year cycle. Oh, yeah, me telling me. Like, yeah. to, I mean, you're head of year, no, right? no, so if you, is, you know what I mean, if you want to change, yeah, you know, when you've got when you've had inherent, um, what I call it, like we, we call it legacy, legacy yeah. report, like a legacy report teacher from your seven, eight, nine, mm. because the school, like you're saying before, Craig, when you've got the spe- if you've got a special measures school, the school that I work at now was special measures maybe two, maybe three or four years ago. So you've got the year 11 kids and the year 10 kids who had a very poor experience of teaching Mm. seven and eight. And it's only until they got to about year nine, 10, that they were starting to to actually reap the benefits of the school improving. So when you're saying that it takes a cycle, it does. So our current year eights or nines, probably about eights now, are the brightest year and mm. they're the best taught year. And we're waiting, when they go through to 11, then, then you start be, seeing changes right, to results. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's when you come, when you step outside London, you see schools outside, well, there are schools in London that aren't that great either. Yeah. But when you, um, when you see the stand, now some, you've got teachers that come and go. I've been in hundreds of schools across the country and I've, I feel like I could be a freaking Ofsted in, in Spain mm. Park because I've seen some seen some schools where the standards, you can just tell by the look on kids' faces when yeah. they walk in the door that day that's like, why am I coming? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's sad and you can tell by the teachers' attitudes. Mm. Um, but I want to come back to this idea because we've got a few minutes now. I want to come back to this idea of like the systemic issues, right? Because you, you mentioned there's something bigger than the application process to something bigger than the uni itself to something bigger than the education mm. system there's something else going on right disadvantages students from going to uni and it's a mindset yeah. that, that people see one of the things that i've seen done and i'm, t- I'm going to use again the examples that we have which are the oxford oxford and cambridge ones that we know of like the um you know the i2 and oxbridge the i2 and cambridge like oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And, and there was there was mm. you know there's these pictures that were taken a couple of years back and they went viral and it was um there was some done again this year and it was showing we are black students and we are at this university and that did a lot for representation mm. went around and around twitter around like the, the you know the big newspapers and whatever and I think back in our day, that's not something I saw when I was in primary or secondary school, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. pictures of people that look like me mm-hmm. occupying space at these top unis. Now, do you think that images like that in any way help younger people be like, actually, you know what? Let me switch my mindset up. I can now go there because I can see people that look like me haven't gone there. I think that if an image alone won't, I don't think it will affect, I don't think it will be the most inspirational to to a kid who's had five to like seven years of 
not even contemplating going to that uni. Seeing mm. one image saying, oh, there are black people there. They probably knew there were black people there, but their counter counter argument would be, ah, they're probably not like the black people that I'm used to. Yeah, Maybe they'll, they'll, the they'll, they'll yeah, do you know what I mean? Like the posh ones, ones yeah. like yeah, the ones yeah. that are rich went to private schools, um, those kind of black people. Um, but what, thing is, um, those campaigns, I, I know why they've done it. Like, get, and I, there's nothing wrong with the campaign. But if we want to break the cycle, if the only way, the only way I think the cycle will be broken is if the, the black students that went to his Russell groups, kind of what I do, I know not everyone can go into teaching, but in some way they need, they, if we want to do it as a community, there needs to be bringing oh. people that have been through this process with the Russell group unis and succeeded coming back that sound like the kids they're talking about. Yeah. They always they're... say we need more role models in the black community. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But then they always, they always look at the black community as being like the role models should be like, Guys who've come out of prison and mm. so, no, no, they, you know what I mean. The role models are never role models from like academia, yeah. really. Like mm. when you when you look at these, because so I work in a youth sector. A lot of like the role model people that they're looking for are people who've reformed their life from mm. something mm. bad already happening. And I kind of think that's a shame that we're already assuming that something bad must happen. Yeah, mm. no, never turn around. It's mm. you've got because I did the thing. I did teach first. So you, when you come out of uni, you went straight. I went straight to teaching. I'm not saying everyone needs to become a teacher, but if you can imagine all the black students that went to the Russell groups, there was a platform for them to, there was like some sort of network where they were mm. going back into schools around the kind of inner city London, mm. talking to kids. We're not talk, we're not saying in year nine, year, we're talking about year seven, <laughs> primary schools. Yeah, yeah. Like we, cause you got, in, you got to, it's got to be inbuilt. It's got to become, it can't be our last chance saloon when you're in year 10. Yeah, oh, yeah. by the way, mm. you should really go and try to go to uni. Mm. It needs to be, um, if it's in a mindset mind you're trying to change, you've yeah. got to talk to them from early. Yeah. But there is, that doesn't exist. And I get why, like people think about all the sort of people we went to uni with, they, they left uni, went into the city and they're, they're working, which is yeah, cool. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you imagine that all those people that have gone to achieve, yeah. achieving in inverted commas, um, have then, could then come back and speak to kids from the areas where we know there's, mm. there's some sort of deprivation or whatever else. That's how you start to change, make a change. Otherwise, we just go to uni and we go off and earn our, we earn our money, which we have every right to do. But mm. we, go and, we go and do that. But do we have a, a responsibility sometimes to go back and... And help and try to help, even if just bring them in for an assembly or a chat, or like almost like a meet and greet would be nice. Just talk to Mm. kids from the area you were from and say, You know what, this is what I did, and it's doable. And I went there, and there were loads of black people that sounded like me. It wasn't Mm. all the posh black people that I couldn't even relate Mm. to. Mm. And it's that if we could have that somehow, then I think that would make a that would be wavy. We tried to do something well. To an extent, when we had that talk at um, you guys, you guys, you guys, yeah, yeah. so yeah, when Tom. Uh, Tom, me, me, Tom, and uh, Patrick, Patrick went up to Cambridge. We did a talk with Target Oxbridge. So it was maybe like what 50, 50 or so kids. Yeah. But again, these were like kids that are what sixth form, mm, maybe yeah. like uh, already eight, eight, yeah, eleven yeah, or so. So they're kind of really even, like, even before that, man. I've I've gone to a couple of schools and like spoken about yeah. my experience mm. and like local local schools. Okay. My school, and I think I think it's important to do that. But I mean, not everyone feels that social responsibility. Yeah. But mm. I mean, thinking about it, I'd like if you would like the pictures to change, as I would, and like to see the admission stats, you know, go from only three percent. Yes, black, actually, black Tom, students. Tom, yeah. talk about them because oh, you've got no, the stats. Let me just whip it out. But yeah, why well, whip it out? Um, <laughs> pause the again. Stats, Hang on, man. We're whipping out stats. Yeah, he's not whipping out pause, anything pause. else. Statistics. Hey, <laughs> all guys in the studio <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a family show. Hold on while I whip it out. Yeah, it's a family show. Earlier, Bilal was like, oh, Kilo, you really hit me in a personal space. I was like, whoa. Whoa, bro. That was a different time, though. So, I love how you've been waiting. You've just been waiting to bring that up. Sorry, Tommy. Tommy Dyer. Man, but. No, you so doing I mean, your Tommy Dyer voice because it'd be even more interesting. <laughs> nah, it's too much pressure okay. for me to do that, man. I need to just do Tommy Dyer voice. No, nah, man. Let me not, let me not do that, man. But um, so I looked, I looked at the stats. You want me to do Tommy Dyer voice? And, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, that's cool. Do you know? I want to hear the sound a bit more. I want to hear. I want to hear the voice. Yeah, I know it. Kalil I just like it. have heard it, but not in person. What do you mean you've not heard the Tommy Dyer voice? Yeah, you've it. not heard this voice. It's like the, the kind of geezer voice, like that sound. You know? Yeah, yeah, that Tommy one. Yeah, yeah, do that. So, all right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Over the Bridge. Uh, Tommy Dyer here. We're east side of London right now. Um, I've got the admission stats from Cambridge. Um, I, I whipped it out on a quick spreadsheet today. And just, I've got the stats. So if we go to 2010, um, right, they were about nine and a half K people that applied. And only uh, two and a half that got in. Two and a half and some change. All right. Now... Out of the nine and a half people that applied, it was just shy of about 350 black and mixed race students that uh, applied and only about 70 odd that got in. If I skip forwards to, because mm. I'm out of time, but if I skip forwards to 2017, what I've got next is, I can't believe I'm doing this with the tongue. About <laughs> what, what I've got next is, if I look at, where is it? I've not got my bins on my glasses. But anyway, so. <laughs> right. If we if we go to 2017, so the last cycle that we saw, right, we had just shy of 10,000 people uh, apply. Yeah, that's right. And in terms of black and mixed race people, it was about 700 odd people applying. Um, and if we look at the the the, done, yeah, I've done it right. And then if we, oh no, I haven't. Got, oh no, this formula didn't update. So I don't actually know what the numbers are for 17 because my PC mm. messed up. But all right, fine. Overall, because I did it overall, we have about 80,000 people applying between 2010 and 17. About 20,000 who have got accepted. Black mm. and mixed race um, applicants, about 2,000 of that 80,000. And those who have been accepted, um, 500. Someone will have to check my numbers, and I mean the so numbers. Are, you say two thousand, eighty thousand. Yeah, so two thousand applicants. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm rounding up here, obviously, yeah. and then in terms of acceptance, about five hundred, just shy of that. Uh, so what mm. I've looked at for anyone who's going to say, "Oh no, please tell us the methodology how you did it." Cambridge gives you stats, and they give you um, according to ethnicity. They've widened the ethnicity now, but if you look at two thousand and eleven, uh, two thousand and ten. The numbers I I started off with. Mm. It goes black Caribbean, black African, black other. Then in mixed, it goes mixed white and black African, mixed white and black Caribbean, mixed white and Asian, mixed other. I took out obviously mixed white and Asian, mixed other. I included because we have combinations like Belal and the way in which that's done is how you self-identify during the UCAS application. If you remember when you do your UCAS, you you tick something, you tick what you identify into. That's why you have some unknowns. And you have other as well. Um, so other will include people like Arabs, um, say people like Arabs, uh, gypsies, Roman gypsies. They now have been kind of, they have a section of their own in the Cambridge stats. 
So that's kind of the numbers and that's kind of the picture that we see. So ultimately, and somebody, I think from a, um, another po a podcast called The Curve Podcast, shout out them, I've listened to your, your stuff, it's cool. They said, curious to hear uh, thoughts on why white and Asians have the highest um, conversion rate. Also, how far have these stats moved? In terms of the second answer, the answer is not much. Uh, in terms of absolute numbers, yes, they've improved, but proportion in terms of proportionality, no, it hasn't really improved. Mm. Um, can I ask a question just yeah. to clarify? Not gonna answer the first numbers. question because we press for time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you said you said eighty thousand in those what seven years in or a so. cycle, yeah, yeah. And then how many of those went got got accepted? Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a quarter. Five hundred right? out of twenty thousand. Yeah. But well, then so 500, it's 500 out of 2,000. So that's the same. So it's kind of in line. General. It's roughly, yeah, roughly, it's about roughly a quarter, isn't so it? So I think the, the argument isn't, because um, I looked at the acceptance rates kind of in more mm. granularity. And if you put all the black and mixed race together, the acceptance rate is pretty much in line. Mm. For black students, i.e. black, African, mm. Caribbean and other, it's somewhat reduced. Yeah. Um, and for those who are mixed race, it's a little bit more, but overall, put them together in the way which you best can given the data you have, it's kind of roughly in line. So, so it's more the numbers mm, yeah, as opposed to the actual acceptance. acceptance. So mm. it's it's back to the question of why aren't enough people applying, not is yeah. the conversion rate. Yeah, that, so the conversion yeah. rate itself seems proportionally in line. Yeah. But, and I guess where we should end then is, so how do we get the numbers that are applying in the first place up? Because that's the problem. That's a systemic problem that people... Mm way before they even went to school, perhaps mm. weren't going to reply, right? So how do we change that? <laughs> that, that, is, that, that that's a big question. Yeah. Um, how do you change your mind? I think what I was talking about before about getting people back into schools is one way. You have got to improve the standard of teaching. You still have, you have to keep and you need to revitalize. I think there's, there's a process now where teaching is being revitalized because the amount of people I've met um, and I tell them I'm a teacher. They always meet. I'm always met with shock and surprise. I'm still mm. shocked. Everyone's always everyone's shocked because if you if you know me if you know me like personally, then <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked then then you, you you like why is this guy? You see him at Notting Hill, you know. When you yeah, He's when shocked. you see him at Carnival, and you think this guy's a, an inspirer <laughs> of the youth. It's, 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 <laughs> so you got. I think you got a change in the class. And what well, you said to me a while ago, the grassroots has to change. Standard mm. teaching is improved. I think you need to get younger, fresher teachers in, teach mm. that more in touch with the youth population. Mm. And in the ideal world, it won't ever happen, but in an ideal world, you would, if you can change, if you can make this assess, the way kids are assessed to be just, just more human, because it's very robotic. Yeah. So if you can, I know all these changes will take flipping decades, if not centuries even come in. But, and also I think the way schools are judged, if you think about Ofsted, also you were talking about Ofsted a while ago, Ofsted's run by majority and enterprising a whole bunch of white people that are above the age of 50, 60, out of touch completely with, with what, what the youth experience is now. So mm. true. You need, if you want to actually assess a school and get people in to assess how a school, you need people that yeah. are in touch. And you, we, we're all getting judged by people that are completely disconnected now from what the life is like. Life has changed. World's moved on, especially in London, the world's moved on. Um, so I think... If you want to change systemic issue, it will take it will take decades upon decades upon decades, yeah. and it'll take a whole bunch of um, flip some tables. We do. You got. To, you got to, that's why I was saying that's my 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 ambition is to become a head teacher, for example, because mm. I need I want to get a seat at the table to be able to have an opinion and make some changes to the education system. Jeez. But not everyone, and that's but like Thomas said a while ago, not everyone needs to do that. You don't have to have a kind of social 
responsibility to do that. But that's just one thing that I want to do, for example, because I know mm. school is where it starts if you want to mm. try and change um, a kid's mindset. Mm. So you just need to get as many people talking to as many young people as possible. And over time, slowly but surely, we're seeing more and more black people in unis now than we had before. It's, we're getting there. Remember, we, yeah, yeah. we haven't had, we, we don't own this space. We've only been here relatively talking about from like when our grand when most of our grandparents came across. Mm. We've what two generations, three generations max yeah, yeah, yeah. in this country trying to tackle a system that's been in, entrenched for well yeah. since since time well yeah forever essentially. Yeah, yeah. So we're new to the game. I don't think we're, we're not putting our weight as well as we should do yet. We've just got work. We've got a whole bunch of graphs to do. Mm. But you need to put it into context. This education system has outlived us in this country. We're new to Real it. Talk. And slowly but surely, more and more people are graduating and going to jobs, going to the sectors where we're, we're just putting out, we're getting our feet in the door now and we're changing it. And then we just put the cycle, there's got to be a cycle yeah. to make a change. You can't go out there, change, do, do well in the city or whatever else. And then if you don't talk to anyone about it or share your experience, then yeah, it's probably not, it won't, not much will change, unfortunately. So and I'm talking ideal. In an ideal world, there's a massive cycle. That's why I think anyway, there needs to be a cycle in an ideal world. No, it's hard to disagree with that mm -hmm. because I think as we've all said, it's not just the numbers are small. It's there's a massive, it's like there's a flipping Hoover Dam behind that and there's a massive stream of issues, um, you know, that have led up to that point. And that involves a number of different areas and everyone has to play their part in whatever ways they can. Mm -hmm. But it ultimately mm -hmm. does reflect back to yeah, grassroots, even if it's just like mentoring a bunch of kids, like mm. individually or like going to schools. I mean, it, it's, that's, just a, that's just a handful of things to do, but just something that just um, directly touches uh, young students and at least helps them to think a bit differently about things. Because they don't know how to think. They're too young. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No disrespect to them, but do you know what I mean? In terms of the way they... What what's important to them? They don't know about life yet. Neither do we. But they certainly don't know about life yet. Um, in terms of the fullness of life, do you know what I mean? Someone don't please don't quote me out and say, "Oh, right, you know, you know what I mean." But um, and so helping them in terms of that thought process, especially as they're at an important age, um, I think is is very important. Um, yeah, mm, but it, yeah. it's it, it it is a long cycle. It's yeah. not just a five ten year cycle. It's a long process. Um, but we're getting. Mm. I hope. I think so. I definitely think so. But it's a it's an incremental, you know, approach. I think mm. so. Yeah. I don't think as much I can add to what Tom and Khalil said. I think one thing that stands out for me from what Khalil said, especially, is like starting early, <clears throat> and because it is a thing of changing the mindset. The earlier you start, the better. And I do also feel that as much as we've tried to kind of give some leeway in, in terms of like, you, you don't necessarily have to feel like you have a social responsibility. I do think there is at least some, some amount of obligation that we do have if you've been through the process from similar backgrounds as well, the kids are trying to know. get in. I agree. To then know. come back and even, like you said, yeah. Tom, if it's just in a mentoring, kind of People informal mentoring that you have, with. then I think that you owe it to, you know, the rest of the community to do that. Um, but yeah, in terms of having more structure around it, like, if there are organizations that are dedicated to it, like Target Oxbridge, but I think we could do with more and, mm. and more that target younger it needs, it needs groups to start as well. Mm. It needs to start yeah. We need more of it. We need more funding for it as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's mad, you know, because I think the, the more we talk about this, the more ideas that come to our mind of sort of solutions. And mm. 
I wish I had the money, money to do this stuff. Yeah, because I think of it, and it's obviously there's you gotta think of this as an in, the, the intersectionality behind this, right? Like it's a class thing, it's a race thing, it's a it's everything, man. It's all these all these problems that people are facing way before they even get into the education system. And then how how um how targeted the education system itself is to only help specific people and then you know, teach the teaching 30 people in a class, bruv. That's too much for one person to <laughs> handle, like, as you well know, Khalil. Yeah. And I look at that and I think, you know what? There are some people who unfortunately will slip through the gaps, but those are the people who need the most support. And the more I think that if only we could, if only the next generation that's coming up beneath me can see themselves in, in these institutions, see themselves like getting into top unis. If you can imagine it, and you've got the support to get you there. I don't see why that's not possible. Mm. Yes, you've got a lot of barriers in front of you and a lot of hurdles to jump over. But if you've got the right support network, it's possible. But at the moment, there aren't those support networks. And so us talking about the intervention schemes, the target Oxbridges, the people like us going into schools and doing talks and doing mentoring schemes, that's useful, bruv. That's what people need to do. I think coming back to this like Toby Young versus David Lammy thing, like who's right? To be honest, I don't think either or, like I, I kind of see that, like David Lammy's got a good point. Universities need to do more. They need, I think, I think top universities need to do more mm -hmm. to try and help. And because Khalil said, you said, um, well, who are they helping with that 10 million, mm -hmm. right? Like who are they going after with it? Mm -hmm. They need to do more to target the right people. But the education system itself has a long way to go. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. Anyone else got any last things to say? Because... <laughs> My mind's blown. <laughs> it takes, I could I could talk about this for hours on end. Trust yeah. me, hours on end. Cool. Because especially when you see it, when you when you see it firsthand, especially the first cars in South London, when you see the experience of these kids of their experience of school, it's it was my that school was rowdy. Yeah, um, was it in Lewisham? You said it was in yeah, it was in it was in Lewisham. I'm not gonna, mm. not going to start talking about the actual school. But yeah, it was in Lewisham, yeah, yeah. so you can. Mm. And it was a. a Inverted commas, typically Lewisham school. It was black, mm, mm. predominantly. I remember was, when I was in Lewisham one time and the McDonald's said they they won't let school kids in no more. Nah, because they just caused trouble. Well, two yeah. kids at a time in the corner shop. Trust me. Yeah. 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 That, that was bad. That was an art. When we, we were in school, they still tried to do that. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. The, the school that I was in South London was in special measures. Yeah. And then... It got, the kids were running right. The kids owned the school. Because mm. the kids came from the ends. And they, that was their... They didn't really have respect for authority mm. and you were just some guy or some woman in a room in front of them teacher or no teacher i'm mm. gonna badge you up if i feel like i want to badge you up and that just made sense to them because that's all they knew mm. so mm. but now that school's been reformed and they've got they've got more structure got a new like head teacher and all that kind of stuff that's the kind of stuff that needs to happen because schools in ends like lewisham's and the other kind of um those areas of london where they're where they're typically more disadvantaged if those schools are failing if, th if those schools don't change then the mm. kids are going. The kids gonna, The kids are gonna leave with nothing. The schools yeah. need to change. Yeah. But then yeah. the funding. Everyone always complains about funding education. All this. All the funding stuff. It's cuts. They cut. Those enough cuts. And and you. And the other thing is you got. It's only now they've decided to give teachers the the pay right. The national kind of the, the incremental pay yeah. right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Like, we've been even in line of inflation. Right? Or what? For ages we no. were just like the teaching just salaries teachers. are just. They've been very, very uniform. We, fam, we, when yeah. we got one percent rise or something last year, and we were, I was gassed. We're like, yeah, we got a one percent. Now we've got like, I think there's a three point five coming in, but that's not even. That's an average inflation. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't increase public service 
salaries in line with inflation until un- unions will just get on their back. Mad. So Khalil, that's sorry, on. man. I got to cut you off. You feel free from that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> this is this has been a great conversation, guys. It's mad. I could keep going. I'm smiling. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one on the podcast can hear this, but I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm grinning. Um, this has been a nice conversation. Like, I think we've sort of got to a point in this where there's so much more that, that needs to be done. There's so much more that can do to shift to shift this moving mm. forward. We need to, right? Um, I just want to say thank you so much, Khalil, for like no joining us today. Thank you. I thank feel you. like you've been a, a great guest. Man, like, I'm addition, clapping myself. You know? Big up yourself. <laughs> Patrick, you, like, if you don't come back and Khalil stays, that's cool. You know? I'm listen, I'm in London in a year. Bring me in. All right. I'll come back yeah. permanently in a year. So Car six. Well, I'll be more than happy. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We've been Over the Bridge Podcast. You can catch us at OTB Podcast UK on the Twitter. Um, listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and like obviously, like at us, tell us what you thought. Be great to hear from you. But Hashtag thank you so OTB much. Chats. Hashtag OTB chats, bruv. Over and out. <laughs>